0: episode 422 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome. In this episode I chat to John Warner of Over the Moon Studios about the design and development of the satirical action-adventure game The Last Hero of the Stargeier. I think I pronounced that right. It's a bit of a mouthful. This is an action-adventure game with what borrows some mechanics from a certain... Type of action-adventure game, third-person, you know, over-the-shoulder view, full camera control, and let's just say, well-timed attacks and defence manoeuvres, and leave it at that. I said it's satirical because it is. It's uh, self-referential, makes little jokes and jabs at common video game tropes, and even laughs at itself. And that's, that's quite brave to actually stand there and go, I'm going to make a game that laughs at itself, and even to the point, not so much laughs at the player, but with them. It's a fine line, but it never chide the player so much as chide the avatar they're controlling or representing. I found it a thoroughly entertaining game, just as entertaining as talking to John about how it was made. So would you like to hear said conversation? I'm sure you would. That's why you're here. Every week. Thank you for that. Really. Without you, there'd be no show. Same thing I say to every guest every week. It's true. I do. So without further ado, let us listen to me on the relatively recent past. Talk to John about the last hero of the Stalgeier. Hello, John.
1: Hey, good to be here. How you doing, hey. Chris? I'm well. I'm well.
0: So, could you tell us
1: who are you? What do you do? I am a indie game developer. My name is John Warner, and I'm the director at Over the Moon, which is a small indie development studio based out of Vancouver, Canada. Um, we make video games, um, like some other indies, uh, with a bit of a focus on narrative. Um, and uh, our last, latest game is called The Last Year of Nostalgia which is our first big foray into um, the action RPG space. What a triumph it
0: is too. Yeah. What a triumph. Oh, thank it you very much. Yeah. Yeah. I first encountered it at WSD, uh, which is a, an event they held here in London for uh, right. indie games, indie video games. And it was uh, a and, and, uh, you know, mutual friend, Jack, introduced me to it. and Wow. This is different. This is a, uh, this is a take. And uh, also great to hear you're Canadian. So therefore, uh, we had the same problems with changing of of our head of state. She decided to it, cease to be, and uh, we indeed got, we did. We got a new one now. So
1: yeah, you know it's it's <laughs> funny in Canada. I'll, none of my friends are particularly. I mean, you you wouldn't even think that we had a queen or or now a king, but. There's people that were really devastated in Canada, and I I wow. didn't
0: yeah.
1: I didn't expect it, but it still matters. It still Does, matters. We still yeah. have roots in the UK. So
0: absolutely, she was your head of state, and now you have a new one, and all I this suppose. weird stuff's happening. There's like you know our stamps are changing, and
1: <laughs> our money, <laughs> yeah. all
0: our money's gonna have to change now, and it's just you mm. have to yeah, it's uh, it's something <laughs> that people don't get. Like what do you mean? There's, I thought it was the no, not the prime minister. We change those every twenty minutes. Um, but, yeah apparently <laughs> anyway i've been watching yeah I, well i wish i could just watch i'm experiencing it anyway oh, um man. sorry i shouldn't have done that but i did sorry everyone <laughs> okay. um so my next question to you john is uh, it's really a fundamental one and it's one of my favorite questions apart from the dreaded number three But we'll come to that later but the next question <laughs> is this how did you make your start making flashy lighty video games
1: oh boy well um i guess it depends how far back you want to go um, as far as back was... as you
0: want we've had people saying oh i was a fetus and i heard <laughs> oh yeah play, yeah yeah heard someone play pong and i was addicted that was fine so maybe i'll
1: try and start divining like my previous life or something that, that works up.
0: that works too
1: go on i think in my previous life i was cliff Bizinski. actually Bizinski. is he wait he's still alive oh, i can't say yeah that. i don't think it works um, that
0: way he's still alive. But anyway. Yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway um yeah so i uh i i was a big gamer obviously when i was a kid they were super meaningful to me and uh when i was 13 i think i was into quake and i found out that you could mod quake and i was like what what do you mean you can just mod it and it never occurred to me that you could actually make these things these games i don't know what i thought maybe i thought they were just i don't know they were made in a in a cloud on a cloud somewhere and they just kind of floated down from the heavens um and i got so excited i came home and i and i started making quake levels and i quickly discovered that i was terrible and uh, that making these things is extraordinarily difficult and that i had no interest in art before that um i started learning how to you know 3d model and and that turned into sort of its own hobby and then I went to VFS, Vancouver Film School, and did study 3D animation and visual effects. Um, when I was, oh God, I guess it would have been 18, 19 or something. Um, and I was pretty fanatically committed at that point. Um, I was young and completely out of my mind. So uh as a lot of most people, I was entirely dysfunctional. But that aspect of my life was working great. So I was spending a lot of time uh you know, doing games and and creating art. And I was very fortunate to get a job um, at Relic working on Company Heroes. Um, Very lucky to work with just such an amazing art director and a talented team. Learned a lot from them. And, you know, from then on, it's sort of been a a process of uh, leaving the job um trying to start my own thing failing miserably getting a job getting out of debt leaving that job trying to start my own thing failing miserably getting out of debt with another job etc cetera, etc cetera. uh <laughs> until finally um you know a, a while ago now i don't even know how long seven years maybe maybe more we released the fall and and that connected enough that that i've been in indie, i guess maybe no sorry i mean we did a kickstarter 10, have I been doing this for ten years? I don't know what date. Not,
0: what date is it? Who does? best? Best not okay. think because people still think yeah. the nineties was ten years ago.
1: You just yeah. have to break it <laughs> to do. them. You have know, to
0: break yeah. it to them gently that it was actually thirty years ago. But it's really. You know, mm-hmm. It's. I mean, that's my. It's my college years, or university years. depending on where we are. that was the nineties for me. That's why it's kind of a blur. Can't remember most of it. <laughs> anyway <laughs> but no relic what a wonderful wonderful company company of heroes yes. much lauded game
1: thank you thank you thank you the oh, third yeah well yeah, the third yeah you're ones quite welcome well. for how my great contribution to that to that yeah, game yeah, yeah. everybody right. i shouldn't i shouldn't minimize myself i was a world object artist so oh, you no, know some that's... of the tombstones and a mausoleum and some of those things are mine
0: that were exploded and blown up by people. It's great. It's fine. It's, exactly. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's a, it's a wonderful game that taught the concept of control points and how important that was more to actual resources and logistics, which is
1: fascinating. Fascinating. It really, it really was. It was yeah. quite good. Yeah. yeah that was uh, uh, Josh, um, Josh Mascara. And ooh. who's at, who's at uh, Blizzard now, I, I believe. Yeah. Great, yeah. great
0: designer. Clearly. Just, just realizing that it's not about building stuff. That's the, that's, the you know, a side issue. What about, you know, actually controlling a, you know, a, a, con- a strategic point? That's what it's about. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And the third one, which is, I did play at PAX West. And, uh, yeah, really interesting idea of having a larger open world where you do manage logistics. Interesting mm-hmm. take of mm-hmm. things. So sadly it's been delayed until next year. It was going to come out in this next month, but, uh, it's been pushed back for, you know, for obvious reasons. Relic, uh, you know them. You probably may still know some people that I don't know. But, uh, you know, they're, they're not perfectionists. That's the worst thing to ever be or to created to be a perfectionist because, <laughs> therefore, nothing gets done. But, uh, nice you know, composed, they, yes. they, they really understand the concept of good enough.
1: Yeah, that uh, really is an interesting problem, isn't it? Good yeah. enough is such a hard thing to, to understand. And, I know, you know, I work with a lot of artists that just are allergic to that word. They hate it. Yeah. Because they think it means lazy, essentially.
0: Yes, it implies you know half baking, phoning it in. You know, Mm, no, it's it's. But what other term can people come up with? It's sufficient. That's a that no, no. It still means you're meeting. It implies you're meeting a bare minimum. No, I'm not. It is meets the requirements. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just not helping. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean,
1: look, that's that's connected to a thing that's been bugging me for a long time because I, I play a lot of games that are about, you know, I don't mean to put anything down. I think they're marvelous. Um mm. but there is a thing in the industry which is a pattern, which is sometimes I get the feeling that that developers are not cognizant enough of what the expected um I don't know how to how to say it in, in simpler language, I'm sorry, but perceptual frame the way of perceiving that the the player is in. Are you aware of that amazing psychological experiment with the, uh, with the dude in the gorilla suit and the people passing basketballs back and forth? Have you seen that one? no do not know that one. No, please so please. so very 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 quickly because it is pretty yeah. interesting yeah. there's you're you're shown a video and you're given a test so there's people with white shirts and black shirts and and the people with the white shirts they're going to pass back and basketballs between them and you're supposed to count how many times they count they they pass and you know you pay attention and do a good job and you know the the, the video ends and you say ha ah, it was eight I, did i get the answer right and the person says yes you got the answer right but did you see the gorilla and you say, "What gorilla? What are you talking about?" And it tu- and then you rewind. They rewind the video, and it turns out that there's in the middle of the video there was a gorilla who walked into the middle of the frame. A guy in a gorilla suit beat his chest and then walked out, and nobody notices this because when you're focused on a task, your your brain basically filters out. A huge amount of information on a preconscious level that that you just don't need to see because it's irrelevant. And and anyway, that's a bit of a rant, but but it's related to this idea of good enough. Because what like what are we creating? What are we serving? What are the players actually paying attention to? You know, where do you put the detail? And and it's a, it's I mean, and the answer isn't obvious. I'm certainly not saying that the answer is obvious,
0: but and uh, well, the oh the worst answer, the most nebulous one is, it depends. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? And it really,
0: like, yeah. Why is what, you know, when you play something like, you know, uh, Breath of the Wild, it's a good example, where well, you see things far in the distance. And I, well, what's the purpose of that? Well, you know, when you play most Zelda games, normally the scenery, you don't think, you know, it's just part of the experience. But in that game, it's like, well, because you, you can go to it. <laughs> That's the point. Mm. If you can see something in the distance, like a floating island or something. You know, Right, pretty you can cool go, you, that's that's why you
1: know yeah uh, absolutely bit of,
0: a, bit of an extreme example i know you know it's a bit, you know, outside the box there of most games but, <laughs> you know um or maybe not i don't know but uh, okay well i think my next question then is, is you might have answered it in part already but it is a bit open-ended but i do love asking it because you're a creator and i have a fair few creators on this show in fact, pretty exclusively. <laughs> and uh, so here it is. As a creator, what are your biggest influences?
1: Oh boy. Um well um I I'm I'm really moved emotionally by uh story structure in film, um in particular. I, I think that's fairly common, but also video games. I, I you know before I talk about film, I, I think that it's I think that there has been a trend where people cuz film is this really established medium and and it's there's there's beautiful beautiful work and you get people that are inspired by that and they try and come over to games and and kind of bring some of those principles into games and sometimes that really just doesn't fit um you know I think video games are a different medium but you know there there are really beautiful moments in in some films that I've seen. You know every once in a while you'll see a film that really speaks to you. you you're able to understand what's going on sort of as as you're watching it. And Interstellar, for example, was like that to me, where um, you know I, I think I kind of understand what they were exploring thematically and 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 some of the ways that they bring like like uh, visual elements and narrative elements together in these like peak moments where where it's beautifully shot and, and, and composed, but also like there's thematic ideas that are coming together and they're symbolically under underlined by, by what you're looking at. It's, it's like there's a, there's just an an incredible immaculate order to, to really beautiful artistic expressions that I find quite emotionally overwhelming. Um, And so, so I'm really inspired by those, those, those heightened moments of meaning when you're engaging with art, you know, any art, not just film. Um, I get it a lot when I watch film, but um, you know, where a lot of the elements will just come together and and almost like the, like the, the piece is just singing to you. Um, There's, there's almost a transcendent quality to it where, where it just seems to radiate meaning or something like that, you know? And, and anyway, so I love that. I love that. I I really want to create that. And I'm so excited by the potential that video games you know, can do that. And video games are wonderful and and I've had absolutely beautiful moments in video games. And I also think that, that we've got a lot to learn, like in from the way I perceive them, the desperate, the disparate elements of video games have not yet been brought into integration in, in a way that, that has that same, um, quality, that quality of being beautifully integrated, almost like a hologram where, where, you know, each, each part is in every part and, and, um, I don't know what it would look like I have my own theories and we're trying that's what over the moon is trying to do in in our own little in our own small way in our own humble way um I don't know what ultimately the future holds but that's that's goal number 1 in, in terms of what I think the whole industry needs to move towards
0: Absolutely I think it's a fascinating aspect of you know the the medium of telling a story and encouraging emotion by gaining some agency on a part of the audience now mm-hmm. granted video games have the advantage in that because the audience typically has to engage with the experience in
1: some way 100 yeah but they can't but they can't reflect is the problem it's it's hard to play like while while you're engaging it's very hard to it's very hard to be engaging and then spontaneously also be reflecting on what you're doing in a way that you can like make meaning from it which yes anyway
0: But there are exceptions to that, of course there are. The ones that the the ones that manage it. I can cite, and this is the usual suspects, but Outer Wilds that does it all
1: the time. Oh man, so good! (laughs) It's just Outer Wilds is unbelievable, unbelievable, and
0: it asks a very difficult question, the very difficult question, and comes up with an answer. And it was just like, okay, that's where you're going with this. But that's just that's a magnificent thing that it does. And there's another game that we featured on this show called Before Your Eyes. I don't know if you know about it, but mm. it's a it's a game about you can only control everything with your eyes and your blinking. And you just simply, Oh,
1: I heard about this and I never yeah. did get around to playing it. It's not have-
0: very long, but you definitely should. Um there's something because I'm a cold hearted Brit, I didn't get any personal emotion from it because I was very pragmatic about what was going on to the person involved but nonetheless the the art and the writing and the the they they used um sort of uh capture artists you know the motion capture artists and because they did that the you could relate more to what was going on, even though because they were, there wasn't make, there wasn't animating it, or it was just no, they're just reproducing what a biped person <laughs> would do. And it's just the way they, the actor really just, just gesticulated and moved around and did the kind of stuff that, you know, we do when we're confronted by someone who's lying or someone who's saying certain, doing amazing things or just. It just made you draw. You drew you in even further because the only way you could communicate in the game is through your eyes. Mm-hmm. That 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 had a more profound interaction with rather than you with the keyboard and the having you having to send signals to your hands. You are simply well, you're just blinking.
1: <laughs> yeah, very interesting. <laughs> so you know, it's so it's so sad in a way. How many video games are? I mean, it's amazing how many video games are coming out. But like, I I just miss. I feel like I miss eighty, ninety percent of them. I yep. I can't keep up, and I see these things, and I'm like, oh, that's amazing. But then I'm so busy, I can't get around to it. And then yeah, by the time but... I get around to it, I'm staring at my Steam library, being like, what do I play? There's <laughs> something to play? Because I've forgotten everything.
0: Mercifully, it's, it's very it's very short. It's about an hour and twenty, maybe that. So you right. can it's just, it's a, it's a f- f- sitting for a film, and it just, yeah, just and you, when you walk away, going, well, that was that happened. <laughs> it's one of those it. you know you just look back and go wow and we had a lovely interview with with the developers on it and uh yeah it's all all powerful writing stuff i'm sure sort they're of working on something just as amazing as we speak but uh yeah highly recommended but no wonderful huh. response to that question i've had Many guests quite stumped by one, but uh, John, you, you pulled it out of the bag. Well done!
1: Oh, good. Okay, awesome. <laughs> okay, we'll keep them coming. Let's see. I, I make them harder. <laughs> and they fun. do get
0: more difficult. I'm afraid as we go on. So here's 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 the next one. What video game developer do you admire most and why? Oh my God! Um, <laughs> Can be a person or or a, or a studio.
1: Um, that is a very difficult question. Um, I, I've, I've had the very good pleasure of meeting Matt Hansen um, personally, who is currently heading up mountaintop games, working on a product that I don't think has been publicly announced. So I don't know if I can say that, um, Matt has got an, an unbelievably incredible business sense, you know, an, an understanding of, of just the way the entire business world, um, you know, inter- interacts in his ability to manage people and and create a happy work environment, everything like that. Huge admirer of of Matt um, What I'll, What is he made? Sorry, forgive me. I, I oh, sorry, pardon me. He used to be the CEO of Double Fine. I should I should <gasps> oh, say oh, that. Oh, there you go. That that. Yeah. Well, say no more.
0: You're done. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, Oh God, you know. Yeah. He, I, I, he did a lot of.
1: I, yeah, a lot of the operations work. Yeah, right. So very. Right. Yeah, very 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 intelligent guy. So that that's wonderful. But you know, other than that, I mean, obviously who doesn't like Lucas Pope? Um I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm yeah. I admire I admire the work he's done. It's been wonderful and groundbreaking and huge contributions. And then um let's see, who else? Like for, I I mean, I think that I have to say from soft for sure. O- obviously I just made a soul's like. Can't think and, why. Oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the last year, guy is a very conservative product in that we didn't really understand why these games work. So I spent a lot of time deeply studying the work of, of, of FromSoft and, and essentially just like tried to lay out a map of, of the wonderful work that they did and all these subtle problems that they solved that I didn't really have an idea of until I started to actually try and build my own. There's, there's all kinds of subtleties. So it's amazing. It's amazing what they've built. And, um, this is. I feel like I could have given a better answer to this question. Actually, there are so many. I, I play so many yeah. games. Um, That's but. fine.
0: No, these are great answers. And again, you did a good job. From software, come across as a as a group of people who have very little ego. Sure they do? Because if, if with, but they just come across as some, They come across as people like we made this thing. Not sure if it's any good or not. Yeah. You know. Well, you seem to like it. That kind of attitude, like. Here's, here's another one kind of like it, only <laughs> we've got another tack with it, but have have, have fun, I guess. Mm. Uh, that's, that's the a good uh, attitude. That's the impression I, I get from them is that sometimes we get out, hit out the park, sometimes not, you know, but most of the time at the moment they really are smashing it
1: out of the park. You Interesting. Know? You know, it's 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 really been on my mind, honestly, because I don't know what the proper balance is in terms of, what messaging to communicate. Like I mentioned Lucas Pope. Uh, he's an interesting guy just to look at him with his curly mustache. It's, it's uh he looks like an indie artist. There, there's a, there's a clarity of brand there. And another guy who's gotten into hot water for being a bit contentious is yeah. John blow. Right. Oh, um, crikey. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, like that's if, if people give him a bad review and he says, Hey, you're dumb. You didn't get my game. I I believe that happened. on Braid, like, it's tricky right because on one hand you put out a product and you should be humble absolutely but on another hand well maybe they didn't get John Blow's game and <laughs> I I don't I don't I don't I don't think that, that like I don't know what the balance is there in terms of just being perfectly humble or to what extent you should be ostentatious but it's some it's something that's on my mind and I suspect it's going to continue to be on my mind until I kick the bucket probably
0: quite possibly I think for me just last thing on from stuff software but we it's relevant to the conversation, everyone's, because we're talking about a, a game that borrows some aspects of the games, of the Souls games, as they call them. Uh, but um, it's the, the measurement of risk-reward, which is a very abstract concept. Yeah. They seem to really lean into it a lot. In fact, they yeah. anchor everything around the fact that, okay, fine, you can push just that little bit further into this realm but when's the last time you saw a bonfire? Yeah, exactly. Exactly, <laughs> but yeah. You, you're going to keep right. going, right? But you know, you know that at some point you're going to be right back where you
1: came from. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and yeah, you're going yeah.
0: to have to fight all your way through here to get to this point again. Yeah, I Enjoy. love that, Chris.
1: And and those moments when you don't yeah. know where the next no. bonfire is and you it's... think, I must be 80% of the way there, yeah, or maybe I yeah. passed one already, Past one, and you yeah. start sweating a little bit. yes that that is i remember
0: they, yeah good.
1: i remember when i played dark souls 1 and that happened and somebody invaded me i was just for the people that played dark souls 1 there's a bit where you have to run up this tiny narrow path when there's these two archers that are shooting at you it's like famous for how brutally punishing it is and i just gotten through there and uh somebody invaded me right as i was at the bonfire and i was a new player so i thought that like I thought that this guy's oh he's gonna take all my souls and I had forgotten to level up so I just had so many and my heart was pounding and I that was amazing because my heart hadn't pounded playing a video game no. since I was like twelve or yeah, something yeah. like that yeah. I mean and anyway I won that fight but uh, oh man I yeah to, it's, I it it's take a shower after well not really yeah ready. it's uh, <laughs> but that's that's the
0: real core of those games and pushing you and saying well here's all this risk. And not only are we gonna yeah. sort of identify the risk, we're gonna give it a number. Just the, the more <laughs> the higher the number is, the more painful this is for you. Yeah. And because so often, so often, when I find a bonfire, I am the most reckless idiot in, in, in <laughs> when, when I'm because I'm just exploring, because what am I gonna yeah. lose? What's, what's what's gonna happen? Whereas if I'm like twenty minutes away from the pre oh boy. I am the best soul game <laughs> because I'm mm. just like, I'm just looking around. I mean, you approach an area and you see a doorway opening up into a larger cavern. And what do you do? It's like, well, they're clearly going to jump me from the side. They always do.
1: Oh. <laughs> yeah. They
0: always do. And I forgot to do that <laughs> in Elden Ring when I first started playing it. Oh, of course the goblin thing is going to take me out from the side. What am I thinking? You know, yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, It's just, uh, and anyway.
1: you've gotten that's, soft. You've gotten soft in these other
0: I've games you've been playing. Indeed, I, well, I, <laughs> I, just, I was playing Assassin's Creed previously, which you, you don't really play. You just go on for the ride. Um, but right. yeah. you, you do. Uh, anyway, but that's that's no that's good answers. Excellent answers. Cheers. Last question of the first half. Well mm-hmm. done. You made it. Here we go. Well, this <laughs> is a um, this is a video game podcast. So we're legally obliged to ask this question.
1: But do tell us, what are you
0: playing right now?
1: Oh, actually, as a matter of fact, that is somewhat interesting because I'm playing Elden Ring right now, uh, which is not that interesting uh, (laughs) because everybody's playing that game. They have been uh, since
0: February, for God's sake, at the time of recording, everyone. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, I, but I, I, so I do this thing basically where I'm, there's something wrong with my brain. Like maybe I'm stupid or maybe I've got a learning disability or something is going on because I play games and I don't get them. Like I, I played Elden Ring. I, I felt barely tugged along by it. I felt completely like, I just felt kind of hollow and empty. I didn't, I didn't really enjoy it. And it bothers me when that happens. Cause it's like, okay, well this game's getting tens out of tens. So clearly I'm the problem here. So I, so when this happens, I have to play it again. And I'm like, where's the fun? Like what, what is the deal? Like, how are you supposed to enjoy this game? And I'm starting to figure out, I think with Elden Ring. And I, and I don't, I don't know if I can put it into like something like a like a cogent sentence or something but so I'm, I'm kind of like playing it with like like experimentation in mind trying to
0: Yeah you know. um it doesn't give a lot away which is its strength in my humble mm-hmm. opinion seeing as someone has played a ubisoft open world game which gives mm-hmm. everything away all of the time because that's so how right. they're structured whereas then Elden Ring is like I don't know you could go over there probably not a good idea though but you could go there (laughs) see what happens but eventually it just it's like you've got this really delicate thing that you're trying to pry open and every time you pry open like a bit of it starts to snap off and you close it again going okay not that then what about this bit and (laughs) and that's what it feels like to me you've got this like maybe puzzle box i don't know something really precious that like you try you pull it you you do too aggressive with it it will snap and break. And and that's and that for me, that's what Elden Ring has always been. Is that it slowly reveals it to you, provided you're patient with it. And there's a lot of it. It expects a lot of the player and expects them to care, really. And they have to expect them to pay attention to every little thing.
1: That is, that's it. You got it there. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's the thing that drives me a little bit crazy with a lot of games, which is like. So look, this is the thing, and I think that this is actually failing in Elden Ring's case, in my personal opinion. Not that I'm anyone to criticize exactly, because they're great. But like, look, they 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 tell you exactly where to go. You start the game, they're like, "Hey, go to the castle. See that castle over there? Go do this thing. Go, 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 go." And if you go there, you get decimated. But the thing is that the, the what they want you to do really is just go exploring and play. But the motivational frame that they're establishing is very is very closed so and there's this thing that happens all the time in games where you actually have to put aside the 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 what they're telling you which to me is insane that you that you should have to do that and and go and basically Elden ring in my opinion you should play it like it's like you're walking in an art Gallery like there's all these interesting vignettes they're all beautiful they're all fascinating they're all little tiny stories that stand on their own they can be enjoyed a- around every corner is this new little scene with a tiny history and mystery and intrigue and and it's all wonderful but the first time i played the game i was like okay what's the goal i'm supposed to become the lord okay i'm going for it and it's like no 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 that's just that's that way is pain and and boredom basically
0: and it's really patronizing to you as well like why are you still here why, why, you should have gone to the castle by now. or I mean, They're really, they really like, come on, figure it out. And then it takes, I mean, honestly, the way I figured it out, and I don't mind explaining this to, to you or, or the audience, is zoom in on the map once you find the map pieces. Because there's ways, if you zoom in, it tells you these little obelisks where you can pick up map pieces. And sure. then you pick up those, and then it reveals the map. And then you go, oh, look at that, what's that? Oh, that's yeah. a cave. That's a cave. There must be something in there, really interesting. I'm going to go in there then. And that's how I, yes. and there's this whole bit, there's this peninsula. It's huge peninsula. Mm-hmm. And you just explore all of that. And then once you do that, you get the rhythm a little bit more. You're nowhere mm-hmm. near it, but at least you know you can hear it, you can see it. Yeah, And that's the start. And it never explains this
1: to you. I know give it drives me. me- <laughs> yes, it's so it's so crazy. I but- think video games should almost start with like a two screen with text <laughs> on it that says, "Here's how you enjoy this game." Like, but but that's it drives me crazy because well, they, I you that, know back in the day I think they was, don't
0: know. No, they well back in the day they would give you a manual the size of War and Peace, you know, to 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 lead <laughs> through. I never forget the Falcon Three manual. It's like, why is this giving me descriptions of flight physics, which doesn't isn't actually quite right. That's a bit weird. And it's just like it's just weird like but now it's just you just go figure it out. And but well, because of the joys yeah. of the internet, we can actually collectively figure it out with you know, and discover for ourselves and figure it all out. That's so
1: True, but to be honest, yeah. I never hear people talk about what what you said and what we've been talking about. No. I mean, look, for an, another brief example, without getting too into the weeds, is like I hated these open world games like Skyrim and Morrowind until I beaten my head against the wall forever and figured out where the fun is. And this is—it's the same issue where, like, for me traditionally, I'm looking for an RPG with a linear story and one main big goal. There's a meteor coming to destroy the world; you need to stop it, and you're going to have all these characters. But Skyrim is this game where it's more like, well, what am I interested in? I'm going to follow my interest wherever that goes, and then whatever it is your interest is naturally, you get feedback that develops your sense of identity in the world. So it's a—it's a completely different like dopamine circuit, like 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 feedback loop. It's 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 radically different and and if you don't get it like i never i don't i don't maybe i'm just clueless i haven't paying attention or something but like i never actually hear a conversation where somebody actually says you know here's what it is you either hate open world games or because you think they're pointless meaningless and meandering or you love them but i had to just completely figure that out right 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 yeah um are you aware of people that are making sense of that well, I,
0: I, everyone has their own way of making sense of those games. Um yes. I mean, they're not new, let's face it. I mean you could have point you could have pointed Ultima seven, eight, eight, maybe four you could argue is quite open. But let's not, you know, bang that drum. It's a bit pointless. A bit before my time. Yeah, but it may might be, you know, original elite and stuff like that. I mean, sandbox games were around for decades and decades. Mm-hmm. And you get your fun. Where do we get you entertainment? By whatever you want to do, which is just the worst answer. But, you know, if you get your fun by saving the world, then go save the world then. And for me, I got my fun from games by following the narrative. For example, when it comes to Skyrim, I still regret this fact, and regular listeners will know they're going to take a drink now, but I mainlined Skyrim. I did it in 30 hours. Mm -hmm. Done followed the main quest rigidly doggedly nothing would distract me nothing i would follow the main quest markers all the way through and i loved it i had a wonderful well, wonderful oh, time wow. and i just it was a wonderful narrative there's a wonderful bit in, in this elven dip, in sort of like um uh diplomatic area well embassy sorry and i had to get dressed and, and disguise myself. And it was a really stressful and terrifying mission you had to do because if you found out, you were dead.
1: And oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I loved it. Now, mm. yes, I missed 90% of the game. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm fully appre. I mean, I was, the, well, I was the weird fellow. Weird. It's not weird. But I was a person walking down a pathway. I'd see a marker. It would be a cave to my right. And I'd go, I don't care. I've, you know, I've still got Still going right. to do this quest, so I'm just going to kill dragons if you don't mind. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So,
1: well, you know, you know. yeah. If, if I mean, if you have a positive experience, and that really is, I feel like that's the trump card. I mean, if people are enjoying a the thing, then then yeah, that's yeah. that's the validation ultimately. Yeah. I mean, my my experience with these games, and this is just my opinion, is like, I don't I don't think I think that if you want to make a grand narrative where there's a a, a single plot, you're much like so you're going to run into a structural problem. Like Mass Effect, in my opinion, really excellent structure in, in terms of that type of experience. Whereas yeah. Skyrim, and again, if you had a positive experience, then just fair enough. But the, the structure itself is not fundamentally designed to support that kind of thing. They kind of said, okay, well, if you want to save the world, we'll put a quest line in it. But the whole thing is not fundamentally structured for that. It's no, it's, no, no. Yeah anyways i so i think that those are that, that's kind of i don't i'm not i would say that that's sort of an unsolvable problem but you just said that you loved it so <laughs> it may, um, if
0: you if you're given the tools presented to you you go i want to exploit that tool i want to use that tool to i want to experience the narrative that this game's p- going to provide to me i'm going to right. go down that road and it, to the exclusion of all the other tools available i have a vast set of them or maybe when a treasure chest full, they'll just go I'll have this one but just <laughs> this one and knowing that it will actually cost me you know experiences that I would possibly well enjoy that's true but true, right. I want to save the world right so I you see, know I see, I see. And, and just Interesting. it's mm-hmm. the same with Fallout 3 same with all of them it's always been here's the open world do what you like well I want to save the world okay go and do that then. Excellent.
1: (laughs) Right, 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 yes.
0: So, um, anyway, that's the end of the first half, everyone. Let us, uh, let us move on to the second half of the show, where we shall be delving deep into the last hero of Gaia. Beautiful. So, John, before we delve into this extraordinary, funny and challenging game for all the different reasons, not for that reason, could you tell us what is the last hero of Nostalgia?
1: Well, The Last Tier Guy is a 3D action Souls-like with a humorous element to it. Um, it's super inspired by the FromSoft games. In particular, if you're a fan of those games, we were really inspired by the gameplay structure and feel of Dark Souls 3. And I became kind of obsessed with what makes this game tick and why does it feel the way it feels? Um, because, and I don't want to get too much into this because it it's goes into the realm of being too critical but there's a lot of indies who've tried to make these soulsite games and the game feel doesn't come out right it's a little bit wishy-washy so i became kind of obsessed with that and that's certainly represented the other piece that i was really interested in of course was the um that great map design from dark souls one that where everything's interconnected you become lost and then connect back and have this great experience we're like oh my god you know i was just up up there and i was right next door to this thing the whole time and i see where i am and your concept of the world expands and that becomes like a feedback loop as as you know more and more about the game and then the other goal correct me if i'm stop me if i'm going too long here um
0: you're good you're fine go go for it (laughs)
1: The, the other goal was there's these really beautiful, interesting ideas in Dark Souls, the whole series. Well, actually all the FromSoft games, where it's something like, you know, you're 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 put into this world without a sense for exactly what you're supposed to do. There's a tradition in the world that you belong to, or there's something expected of you. It's not clear what it is. No. And you you uncover these tiny fragments of the past and these item descriptions, and you kind of like it's almost like an archaeology simulator in a weird sort of way. But but like a lot of narrative elements in video games, it doesn't it's not something you need to do. It's not connected with the player story exactly. It's not connected with a central gameplay uh it doesn't it's not required doesn't have feedback into the main gameplay systems and it and it's it's a sort of a, a game that you play with yourself almost in spite of the game. Um, and so that's the thing that we thought was just, I just love that idea. And I, I would go on a rant why I love that idea. It's so beautiful, this uncovering fragments of the past, but I thought, well, what if we take that and we put, make it something the player does and then try and integrate that idea into this holistic product so that it's a game about the past and about nostalgia and about the, the value of the past to the extent that there is some. And, and, and anyway, anyway, so I mean, that in a nutshell, that's the product.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. And, um, Yeah, we're going to delve into all sorts of aspects of it. But one of the things that struck me more than anything when playing uh, The Last Hero of Nostalgia is um, triggers. Triggers seem to be (laughs) central to navigating through The Last Hero of Nostalgia. How so? So, for example, um, you have to maybe talk to an NPC for a little while. And then they really? go, oh, yeah, yeah, ah. okay. Let's, let's, uh, you can now, now, now you, now you understood things or you're, you're getting an understanding of things. That's, you can now progress and that kind of thing. It might open up an area or, or you, you'll you have these, like, it's just a wonderful way of actually communicating to the player about their sense of progress in a more organic way rather than giving them, like, you know, um A marker or percentage, actually. Yeah, so oh, let's 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 give them progress in a sense of they are engaging with the world, engaging with the environment, and therefore by doing so, they are awarded for doing that by digesting this extraordinarily dark, humorous place where things aren't going quite right. So I have to ask, why was this adopted? I think I know why that, and how. Grounded is the need to communicate to the player only in a rather obtuse way. So you do talk to the player. The narrator is there, although he spends most of his time mocking <laughs> and <laughs> chiding the player, going, oh, you do seem to know what you're doing. He says, most unpleasant, oh, well, and that kind of thing. But they, it gives them gentle hints without actually, actually giving them hints. How have you found designing this environment like that
1: oh well i mean it was a ton of fun and yeah. uh look I, i'd love to thank you very much by the way uh for the for the compliment aspect of that um i i would love to take credit for it fundamentally and say that it was some inspiration because i'm a genius but the truth of the matter is like a lot of elements of the games it it started from a place of curiosity from from soft games because this is the way a lot of those games are structured um and we, you know like like i said earlier a lot a big project goal is taking some of the elements that they're doing and try and organize it in a way that that we found to be more meaningful but in particular that mechanic yeah i I find it very engaging because there's there's a reward to it in a sense i mean you know you you go through an area you find an npc you choose to engage with that npc and if you choose to engage with that npc it's there's a sort of a relationship that forms because it's a result of your volition and the continuation of their quest line into the next area is, is, is a thing that you, that's a consequence of, of the choices that you've made. So there, there is a sense, you know, in, in the game uh, that you're getting uh, rewarded for exploration and, and for, for, you know, well, anyway, there, there it is for exploration.
0: Seeing new stuff. I mean, I'm a big explorer. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, I, again, uh, I do make mention of why I played World of Warcraft for so long. Not because I wanted all the gear. That was a means to an end. I just wanted to see yeah. all the dungeons. I just,
1: just, <laughs> <laughs>
0: I just wanted to see all the, the the enemies and the big bosses. I wanted to, I wanted to see it. I wanted to see it. You and, know, and that's, we'll experience it and be there. And, but that. Required me being part of a forty man raid because it was that long ago, back in those days, and uh, yeah, that, that right. was a, that was that was a time. I Can't think why they got rid of the forty man raids. I guess I, I do that. Um,
1: <laughs> you know, uh, I actually missed World of Warcraft for some reason when I would I was young and it didn't it just didn't hook me. But yeah. I got to say it's it's gorgeous, and yeah. I I yeah. agree. It's amazing how much story detail they've put into each little region. Yeah, it's yep. Ex- it's extraordinary, incredible. It's like nothing else. So.
0: Speaking of things like nothing else. Hey, see what I did there? Uh, the last tier <laughs> of Nostalgia is built around satire. Mm-hmm. And as it critiques itself as well as the player's actions, because it's mocking itself and the player, and there's constant, you know, mocking of the player. Um, have you ever felt that there was an issue or potentially of undermining the player's sense of agency? <laughs> right and um so they're, they're experiencing this world as being mocked and chided and you are being mocked and chided how have you because man- you have managed to do it going to be wrong there isn't you do get I hear you. I hear you. yeah yeah but how how do you think you maintained it i know i have an answer for this but i want to hear you Tom. what do you think
1: sure well i think that players human beings are quite emotionally um resilient as, as a matter of fact and To be honest, I get a little bit exhausted in a video game when you're going through a world and everybody's saying, hey, good job, buddy. Oh, way to go there, friend. You really are the hero. And it's a little bit meaningless. Um, I mean, if you're in an extremely hostile world that's broken and sick, and it's pretty obvious that, let's say, the narrator has got some emotional issues because of some stuff that he suffered... um, you know, I think that we that we exaggerated his character where it's so arrogant and it's so over the top. I hope that most players don't, you know, take it as as a serious, like, like it's it's an honest criticism of, of the of the of the player that's really based in something. But but I mean, even if they do to some extent, that's fine because I, I like. I mean, this is actually is another thing that's inspired from Dark Souls 3, this idea that you're the lowest of the low. You're you're the ash. Once the great heroes have failed to rekindle the the, the light of the civilization, what's left is you, the everyman, the common man. And and there's a beautiful idea in, in being low because we're all low. Like we're all we're all born and we look at great people that are, you know, whatever, captains of industry or pop music singers, or whatever it is that you, you know, you look up to and you know when you're young you can't help but feel like nothing in in front of them but but yet you do have responsibility and yet you can improve your life and and make something meaningful so i think that i think that that finding value in humble places is an is an interesting thing and there's a reward in 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 uh, allowing that value to express itself and become actualized in the face of pessimism um, it's it's uh, what's the word? Um, not Schadenfreude, but it's um, well. Anyway, it's a, it gives you a sense of victory, I suppose. That's yeah. my opinion of it. Anyway,
0: I think for me, I defiance. That's sure. What yeah, drove yeah. me through uh, the the last hero of the uh, It's just that feeling of oh, you can mock me, you can yell at me, you can call me all the names under the sun, but I'm right. actually going to best you over and over again and i just want to hear yet more insults from you knowing that the more the better i do the more caustic these insults are going to get and for me that's a sense of victory so it sounds a bit masochistic it's not that's a stupid thing to say but it's really about defiance you. you know just sort of standing up and getting up and going oh really (laughs) <laughs> yeah right and that's what really that's the that's how I get the agency you know that's how I for me I just, you know just drinking in this negativity and going well you know let's turn that frown upside down <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that. that's amazing. and you know there are other there are also other characters in the game that are your contemporaries there are these two npcs that you meet that are both weird and broken and insecure yeah. and dealing with it in their own way and they have their own stories. so so that's sort of another thing but you know fun fact actually it's kind of funny the original version of the game a long time ago before i started working with our great writer caleb um i i was a, a Interested in this idea of abusing the character, and so I wrote a narrator character, and it was just brutal, harsh. Like it was, it <laughs> was like a rageaholic swear word, calling you the f, you know, effing c word, like all this stuff. um And I loved it; I thought it was funny. But I think everybody else thought I was perhaps going a bit too far.
0: Yeah, there's there's, so. there's, there's a line, <laughs> and you yeah, crushed, there you, is indeed. You crossed it, John, but not realizing it. Never mind. So next <laughs> point, and you raised this earlier. I want to delve into it more because. I love this part of uh, uh, the Last Hero of Nostalgia. Is um, equipable items uh, they such as swords and shields they have they have memories, right? But they don't know what those memories are. They're locked in, in inside them. It's very very Disc Gear like. I'm not so really familiar with the Disc Gear games, but in those games, in order to earn a weapon, you must dive into the weapon itself and go do its dungeon before you earn the weapon itself. It's crazy. I missed so many games. I got
1: I to gotta catch up, man.
0: <laughs> but um, uh, anyway, kind of, and so, yes, but these memories, they, they need to be restored to upgrade them. You can use these weapons when they're in this state, but when you, you know, awaken them, when they see things or encounter things that they had an interaction with, they become much more potent. Where on earth did this come from?
1: Right well uh so thank you and and it where it came from was the uh, was the uncovering the lore in in Dark Souls uh well I guess 1 2 and 3 in the form yeah. of these item descriptions. I, I thought it was so bizarre in a sense because Dark Souls these item descriptions it's so fourth wall breaking. Why am I getting lore from the gooey? Like it like it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> that didn't feel right to me but nice. it's it it was still compelling in a way these fragments and um and there's also this idea in Dark Souls, which is this, um, you know, rekindling the the, the 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 past. This like this regenerative theme. This idea that there was value, but it's faded, and maybe it could be relit again. Which, of course, is is a I love that idea because it it's an ongoing human problem. We we there's always the culture that we're in is always fading. It's always maybe relevant ten years ago or something, and it needs to be reborn and reborn and reborn. And that's you know i mean i don't want to get into spoilers but that's part of what we're exploring thematically is like that's part of the value of the past is this is rebirthing it um and so that, so that's what it is like it's it's like this thing in dark souls like i mean look this is basically the whole point of the project look at this thing in dark souls it's amazingly beautiful it's subtle it's totally inaccessible and it's disintegrated with a bunch of other elements let's make it really clear integrated with all other and other elements Pardon me um and that's, that's what it is i just you know thought about why i like that why i thought it was beautiful i tried to make a gameplay mechanic so that players could engage with it more fully um so that it could be something that you can consciously consciously relate to I, I i don't know how good we we actually ended up doing that in terms of like clarity but that's certainly like that's our goal certainly
0: i just love the fact that when the when the memory is returned the uh-huh. object becomes more solid more real more defined more yeah, sparkly right. like well no it's, it, it exists now well done it's not going away it's not forgotten itself it's now knows what right. it is now look at it this happens quite early on everyone um one of the earliest ones you do is is a shield and if you're holding it if you're a sword and board like i am uh i've always hmm. sword and boarded well not no, bloodborne you can't do that but that's suicide <laughs> God, bloodborne is so
1: good <laughs> Yeah, Did you like a- bloodborne
0: I did. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The, the The card game's really good as well. It's, it's good fun. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, last question then, John. Here we go. Um, the varying degrees of graphical fidelity mm-hmm. uh, being a core component of the storytelling in uh, The Last Hero of Nostalgia, it, this leads to some interesting interactions between the two mediums. Um, basically... You have the actual art of storytelling versus visual represent- representation of that. Now, granted, this has been around for millennia, maybe longer, of the act, the, the, the symbiosis of art and the storytelling, actually telling of mm-hmm. stories. Um, but I'm just fascinated about how you've done this with with the Last Hero of Nostalgia, and you know what how have you found designing both of these things at the same time? Cause they have to be sympathetic to each other. Don't they?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a great question. Um, I think that, I mean, it was a lot of fun, certainly. Uh, and it's something that kind of happened iteratively when, when the project started. Um, I actually, I mean, it's so, it's so much more simple than, than what it became, but, I was kind of feeling a bit cynical at the time because there was just endless pixel art games in the in the indie space, and that was sort of like, oh my god, it's like we're like descending into like this retro like abyss, and and the, like and that's something I started playing with, and I was like, well, what if you know it's the world of video games and it's dying because it's obsessed with the past, and and you have to make it new again, and and that's sort of where that came from. I um, know, you know, of course, you know, like everything else as we played with the ideas and massage them, it, it, it came out of this like cranky, you know, cranky, bitter idiot place in, into something more, you know, uh, fair-minded um, because I don't, I don't actually think that there's something wrong with pixel art or, or, in, or being interested in retro, for example. Um, but that, that, I guess that was sort of the Genesis of it. And then, you know, playing with what these two different things mean, like, what is it, what is it what does it mean that something's a retro like what does it mean to draw inspiration from the past and and to what extent is that really good? and you know and maybe there's some of the ways that perhaps that's not so good and and uh yeah, and I, I think I think in the final analysis the the juxtaposition of the of the pixel art and the high fidelity art, I think that it's coherent. I don't think it's as coherent as it as it ultimately could be because i think I think that the the ultimate way to resolve that is that they're like, like there's, there's something implicit in the art style, which is like pixel bad, high fidelity good. And and that's implicit because you're, you're transforming the world into something new. Um, I don't, I don't know that it's as simple as that, but I I think that if the project was to be done over again and I, I, and I reanalyze the art, perhaps afresh, it might, it might take a very slightly different format.
0: I'm not sure about that either. As of all things, but, so we've featured games on this show where there's only three colors and that's fine <laughs> yeah. that's fine you know um downwell being very famous they're not featured on this show but that's a good example of a game that wait there's only three colors yeah totally it's fine book yourself out um <laughs> awesome. and uh but it's 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 perfectly fine to to you know, I know that's not what you were saying at all but I just found it really interesting is a storytelling mechanism but i don't think it's that i think it's a story partnership it's a partnership between the art and the visual style and the way you were telling the story they're working in tandem yeah, with great. each other it's not it's not one and then something else it's they are linked intrinsically whether you want to or not whether you intentionally did that or not that's the consequence yes. so yeah
1: you know. well said well said And there there is a funny thing with making art is like like these symbols come out of your brain and you put it down and you think you understand what they mean, but nobody understands what they mean. And you got to think about it and reflect on it and be like, why did, what was this thing? And, 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 you know, that's sometimes that's why projects take so bloody long. And then last year, you no, know, so guys like four years. So yeah, <laughs> we're, we're biting off definitely simpler or something simpler and more clear next time, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I think really, it's a a common phrase that once one's art is released to the public, it ceases to be yours. And then everyone else has yep. their own take on it. And that's tough. That's tough. Mm. Because mm. you any because any any comment, positive or negative, you feel that you've made this thing and now they're turning into something that that's not that wasn't my intention. But my sure. counter to that is by what right do you have to say that? It's like you've yeah, made the right. thing everyone has every right to express an opinion on it
1: for good or yeah all, i agree with that you know? yeah so i agree i i think i think that cuts both ways too i like i do think yeah. that, i think that creator i think that creative opinion is <laughs> well I, I guess it depends on the context doesn't it because yeah. there's a conversation for example that i'd have with other game devs and that's particularly where this idea of all our thematic goals and all the rest of it is relevant because there's an important conversation to have, which is like, look, here's where I think the video game industry needs to go. Did we fail or not? And, and what could we do better? And you can't have that conversation without creative intent. And then, and then of course there's the, you know, as a consumer, the interpretative literary, just literary interpretation element, which I do think that consumer intention does have a place. I I think that, I think that coherent, I think that coherence is, is, is sort of, if you can make a coherent interpretation, that's, that's sort of the trump card, but like, but also I'm a subject to this culture and, and there are, there are things in me that are coming out of me that I don't understand. I don't have a clue about. Um, And if you can create an interpretation about what something means, I mean, maybe that is what, not only what it means, but maybe on some level, that's what I intended also. I mean, we're all unconscious people that are struggling, you know, towards yeah. the light, so to speak.
0: I believe you're, the, the phrase you may be struggling for is happy accident, and that's fine.
1: Yeah, that's true, we, too. Yeah, we yeah. do
0: love those. So, the last hero of Nostalgia, which is developed by Over the Moon great name, by the way. Over the Moon.
1: Oh, thank you. But, where's, where's, <laughs> where's, sure where's it from? Actually, it came, it came from my mother. Ah. Yeah, I was I was being like, what do I name my company? And she was like, what about Over the Moon? And I thought, because there's two things. Uh, there's either like this like scholastic cow jump over the moon, which I'm not really a fan of so much. No. And the way we've treated it, it's more of a dark treatment. Um okay. I was like, oh, yeah, I, think yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that could work. Yeah, Nice, so, Nice, Yeah. Well, thanks, mom. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Could have been 3 a.m. in a bar going, oh, no, I got it. Yellow pig. Great, we'll go with
1: that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Right. laughs> <laughs> we've got color and animal. Perfect. Just give me that. <laughs> um, and then of course it's published by CodeSync and could you tell us what yes. platforms it's available on
1: it is available on uh, PC and mm. Xbox
0: nice yes I've played it on PC it works quite well on the Steam Deck so good job that
1: oh thank you that's great news yeah that <laughs> was that happened way too late before launch right like, does this thing work on the steam deck well yeah. hey.
0: <laughs> remarkable device highly recommend it if you can find one well oh, they're more they're easy to get hold of now than they were six mm-hmm. months ago but uh they're a bit they're a bit heavy i'm gonna say john they're a bit they're a bit yeah a bit a bit uh hefty on the old so i usually lean it against something when i'm playing on it but uh <laughs> anyway but um John, it's been wonderful having you on the show.
1: Oh, what a great pleasure, Chris. Thank you.
0: I've had yeah. fun. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. And, of course, you're more than welcome to come back, to talk about whatever next you come up with. Um, we've had many return guests over the years. And, uh, yeah, it's a uh, be, be a pleasure. We'll, whenever it is, three, four years, from, we'll be here. We've been here nine years <laughs> so at the time right. of recording, so we'll be here. But in the meantime, thank you very
1: much. Thank you, and I'd love to see you again. So let's let's do it.
0: You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and for early, extended, and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and at our website, caneandrinse.com.